Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 185th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, right away to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion pump fake for three too strong on the shot that's it the tar heels are the national gadgum champion love guarded by keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it caleb from straight away here are your hosts josh marlowe and anthony pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. That's right. We are here to get you ready for Carolina and Pittsburgh on Friday afternoon. We're going to preview a pretty big uh, commitment by a Tar Heel target uh, as well. We also got our pod thought of the day which we'll get to in just a second, but I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. Yeah. I uh, I had to reconsider if you would be the full-time co-host of this podcast. Really? After Ashton, my little brother, joined me in the last edition, and it wasn't because of anything he necessarily said. His opinions, his takes didn't move me to anything to make me consider replacing you. Wow, I, I got to tell you, the kid's fourteen years old. That's pretty harsh to say you know, about was, him. So I, more, I think I think he did a fantastic job. It was more that he was just so complimentary of me, and agreed with me that I was like, yeah, because that's what this podcast needs is more me booty kissing of you, just more you know complimentary. So let me just throw this out as a word of advice to you. As a a humble host coming to the co-host. Okay, I would not even remotely describe you as humble, but go go on. It would behoove your standing on the critically acclaimed Four Corners podcast. Who are the critics that acclaim this podcast? The 21 reviews I have on Apple. Okay. For you to be more complimentary of me. Uh, Okay, I admire the fact that you lie constantly on this podcast what did i lie about uh church your church basketball career your accomplishments of your church basketball career the physical career existed 
said accomplishments that have been stated on this podcast false. Were you there? No. So didn't you, want it. Didn't want to be there. So you cannot deny that I dropped 35 points on one leg. See, if we really wanted to, we could get the answers to these questions. All we have to do is ask your father. Nah. And we could have that edition of the podcast if we wanted. Dad's not a podcasting type of guy. Oh, I think he'd be a podcasting type of guy for that. This isn't a this isn't a platform that would interest him. But you know Have you asked him? No. Oh, well, you know. Uh, how do you know then? So again, look, you can listen to my advice or you cannot. I'm just saying that, you know, if you were to be more complimentary of me and agree with me more often. I, I appreciate how you try to make listeners believe that you are such a humble person. Am I doing this right? Or now? Now I'm probably not. Probably not. I am. I'm glad to be back, by the way. Yeah, Thanks. no. Thanks. And, and Ashton did a really fantastic job. No, in, I, he did. Yeah, Talking some, some Tar Heel basketball with us guys. Um, but now Anthony's back. We hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season. Definitely. Hope you got all the Tar Heel gifts that you want. Um, I got a Tar Heel pillow. Yeah. And I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty stoked about it. By the way, I incorrectly said on the Heel Tough Vlog podcast that I only got one Tar Heel gift. I forgot, honestly, probably the best gift that I got this year, which was the... Uh, Christmas the the Christmas ornament that my sister bought me. Oh yeah, uh, it's a it's a big Christmas ornament, and it has on one side the Smith Center painted on it, and on the other side it says "Go Heels." At I mean, just I thought a tremendous gift. So yeah, that I did forget that one. I also got a pair of shorts. So, but uh, yeah, so pretty successful Christmas overall. What about my? Gift? Oh, and you know what though. I forgot three. I got the Toriel slides, too, that I totally forgot about. Mm. I am just, oh, my God, I'm terrible at this. What about my gift? Did you Your like, gift? Did you what, like air? Friendship? Friendship. Oof, yeah. Really, really, really putting that one way up on the list. I, when it comes to Christmas, most of the time, most of the year, don't really care about physical stuff. Ah, it's whatever. Christmas, physical stuff. Need okay. physical stuff. Yep. Yep. Sorry. That's how it is. Let's get into the meats and potatoes of today's show with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And this one really applies to me. And it comes from Laker legend Jerry West. He says, you can't get much done in life if you only work on the days when you feel good. <coughs> And I don't know if you guys can hear it in my voice or not. I've been under the weather for about two weeks. I tested positive for COVID two weeks ago, came out of it. I'm no longer positive for COVID. But I better got, not be. I've got this lingering cough that just will not go away. So, th- wait a second. So, this isn't even going to be about the actual team. This is still you bragging about yourself. Maybe a little bit. Holy crap. And so, you know, when I went to the site where I get my pod thought of the day, I I saw this and I was like, you know what? This is talking to me because there are some days where I'm going to be honest with you guys. Don't feel like recording podcasts. I don't have the energy. (gasps) 
How, da- how dare you? Then I remembered the responsibility to our listening audience, which has been fantastic all season, all year long. And I suck it up. I put myself second, my listeners first. And you complain endlessly about it. And come on, but here. you actually do the show, and, okay? And, and try to do a good job. But good job. I really think for for this Tar Heel basketball team, look, there are going to be days where you don't feel good. You're going to be tired. You're going to be sore. You're going to be run down from classes on top of your your basketball life. But you still got to be in the gym. You still got to be working on your game. You still got to be in the weight room. <coughs> and it's those little things that really make champion make championship individuals and then mold them into a championship type of team and that's what we're trying to do here we're trying to win a national championship that's the goal and so to do that you've got to go out there and do stuff even when you don't feel like doing it before we get to the pit preview though we got a pretty big commitment to kind of break down here Really quickly. Uh, five-star point guard Elliot Cadu uh, is set to announce his college destination on Wednesday. He is the number eight overall player in that 2023 class, the number one rated point guard, and the number one player from the state of Missouri, all according to 24-7 sports. Um, his recruitment's been very interesting. Um, he has visited the likes of... Louisville, which was his last official visit. I think the current state of that program will probably sway him to not go to Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, to be fair, he would he would be the best player there. They'd ask him to reclassify. So he's a 2024 pros- prospect that would reclassify. They'd ask him to reclassify to 2022. Uh, hey, man, can you come play for us now? He uh, was at Carolina October 7th, which was our late night festivities this year because that hurricane that came hey, through. Live action yes, with yes. Hubert Davis. Come on, man. I come like, on. Late night will always fit better. Uh, he's been to Texas Tech. He's been to Texas, Baylor. He's offers from Georgetown. I mean, th- 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 there's a reason why he's been so highly regarded, you know, coming out. And, um, the, it, before the issues with Texas head coach Chris Beard, he was all but a lot to go to Austin mm-hmm. and, and join that Longhorn team, which at one point this year was ranked number two in the country. He's really got that ball rolling, but he had some off-the-court issues that really have impacted his recruitment. Um, he has been crystal ball now to come to Carolina and play for Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. But you kind of brought up an interesting point. You know, is that something that Carolina should should consider going after? Should he be should they be interested in him like they are like he is interested in them? And, and I think the the answer is is yes. Like I, I know you look at you know a, a roster that in a you know there is a, a scenario where R.J. Davis could still be at Carolina if he doesn't go pro and uses that COVID year to come back to school. You've got Seth Tremble on the roster. You've got five-star Simeon Wiltshire, who's set to join the program next year. But this is another part of the vision for Hubert Davis in this program, is to play three guards. We've seen it at times this year where we've seen Love, Davis, Tremble. That's going to be becoming more of the norm. And so I don't look at this scenario and say – Carolina's backcourt is loaded. 
there's not enough room for him. I think for Hubert Davis, the more guards, the better, because he can spread the floor and really play the way he wants to play. I think the bigger issue is that, you know, are we comfortable going into another scenario where maybe let's just say R.J. Davis isn't here, which is a very legitimate possibility. Seth Trimble and Simeon Wilcher may still be here, but Trimble could be ready to go. Maybe Wilcher's ready to go. Cadu could be a guy that's a one-and-done. My bigger issue is that could could the potential recruitment of him leave that position in a state of disarray, which you saw from the end of Joel Berry's career, really until Caleb Love returned for his sophomore year, where Carolina went through three-point guards in as many seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not really worried about that. My biggest concern with this is just he is a traditional point guard. Elliot Cadu is. Do you look at Simeon Wilcher in those same respects? Because we know, and I think we've seen so far, that's what Seth Trimble is. He's a traditional point guard. There is no way, he, he just, he is not the shooter to be able to play off the ball. So, and look, I don't think Seth Trimble should hold you back from going after Elliot Cadu. I like Seth Trimble. But at the same time, this is a top 10 overall prospect in the 24 class. You would imagine when he reclassifies, he'll be in a very similar range. Um, You know, if he's outside of the top 10, it'll be slightly. So, I mean, it's, it's hard not to say go after the type of talent that you've got here in terms of just overall recruiting the room. See, the thing is, is what you said just a minute ago. There is more focus on the guards. So I think, look, Carolina would land Cadu knowing that he's going to reclassify. So then you go into the 2024 class and you're approaching it as we haven't landed anybody in this class at the guard positions. We have to recruit it like we haven't landed somebody there. So, yeah, I mean, in that respect, I'm not too worried. It's just we've seen this struggle between Caleb and RJ over the last two years and even before that, really since both guys got on campus, of trying to find who is the primary ball handler. If you bring in Kadu along with Wilcher and Seth Trimble, not to mention the fact that next year you would still have more than likely R.J. Davis back there at the least. You're, you're looking at a log jam at the guard position, and I think some of the worry that people have is in the modern era of college sports where guys want to play immediately or else they will enter the transfer portal. If he does not play early, any of these guys, Wilcher could do the main two that we're looking at, does that result in them entering the transfer portal? That's, I think, the concern of some people because you agree on, on this in this respect. I don't, no, regardless of what happens, I think R.J. Davis is coming back next year. I just don't yes. see he's, – he's like Joel Berry. He's very so we've compared him multiple times and I think in this respect he is as well. He will be a four-year guy. So then he's your starter off ball. You're hoping that Wilcher can be that guy that can play off the ball cuz he's a combo guard. But 
is Kadu frustrated by that and says, look, I, I want to play. I should be starting right away because I'm that good of a talent. That's the thing that concerns me a little bit is the log jam. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, those type of things, they kind of take care of themselves um, to where Huber Davis would be able to find a way to navigate the lineups and minutes and personnel to get all those guys on the court. I'm not against seeing a lineup with two traditional point guards on it. If you're having other great scoring from the, you know, your wings, Tyler Nickel will be really developed by then, your big men, whether it's Shannon Washington, whatever. Well, that's the other thing. A lot of people were bringing up, would you just then go to, th- to three guards and th- and really three small guards? That's, that's, that's the thing that you would have to come to terms with. I think that's the direction that this program's going regardless. He wants to play that right, way. Right, Like, he told you that when he took the job. Like... And, yep. I mean, look, Wilcher is 6'4". Yeah. So he's got, for a guard, he's got pretty solid height on him. So it's not like you would have guys. It's not like you would be running a bunch of six foot, six one point guards out there, and then you're just praying that you have enough size in the front court to be able to withstand the bigger teams that you face. At 6'4", for Wilcher, you've seen... Some of the guys that Carolina has recruited on the wing that have pretty good length, I think you would still probably be okay, and you could probably live with that. Yeah, and and so, I mean, I think that's just something where if you're a Tar Heel fan and you're looking at this and saying, is this the direction we're going? Yeah, Carolina's going to feature a lineup that might be smaller in the backcourt, but it's going to be three guards. That way they can have multiple ball handlers. They can run the floor better. Um be more diverse on offense. The key to that when you when you play that style, you got to have a dynamic wing, which is something he's very focused on getting in here. Mm-hmm. And then having a big man that can still control the glass, control the game, so on and so forth. So, um we'll have this 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 commitment covered at heeltoughblog.com whether he commits to Carolina or not. We will have something posted up so you can find out whether Elliot Cadu becomes a Tar Heel or if he goes elsewhere. Well, with that, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We'll get you the latest ad from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll get into the main reason why we're here. We'll preview the game against Pittsburgh. We'll break down the Panthers, give our keys to the game, and more on the Four Corners Podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. Whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now 
Use the promo code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any on, on any NBA team to win their game and get a $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage. Lots of good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And, you know, when the season started, the opinion of Pittsburgh and where they were as a team and a program wasn't very high. <laughs> Jeff Capels had a really tough job getting that thing rolling there in Pittsburgh. But he's quietly put together a solid start to the year. The Panthers enter with the 9-4 and record overall, and they are 2-0 in the ACC with their two wins coming over NC State, 68-60, to and they beat Syracuse 84-282. Um, but they, they've also got some really ugly results on, on their resume, which is a big reason why when you would look at them, you would wonder, is this team any good? They lost by 25 to West Virginia. They lost by 31 to a Michigan team that Carolina beat. They lost at Vanderbilt. Um, guys, Vanderbilt isn't good. They lost. Yeah, to, we like Jerry Stackhouse, but yeah, they're not. They're not. You know, they lost to VCU. So a, a mixed bag of results, but nine and four for Jeff Capel is really important because they've put themselves in a position. To where if they have a good ACC season, 12-8, and 13-7, and seven, maybe they find themselves on the bubble entering the, you know, entering the ACC tournament. Maybe they play their way into the tournament, and it feels like for Jeff Capel, um, he's going to make the tournament or he's probably getting the, you know, he's probably getting canned. And I've been really surprised by his struggles because, you know, he was a really, you know, he was Coach K's top assistant, deputy chief, whatever you want to call him for all those years. Pitt's a place that you can win at and win at a pretty, you know, high rate. Jamie Dixon did it for a very long time. Even when they transitioned from the Big East to the ACC, go back to the 80s when the Big East kind of became what it was, Pitt was a part of that. Um, For some reason, it just hasn't taken off, you know, in the last couple years. But they are 9-4, and and the biggest reason why – balanced score and they got four guys on their roster averaging double figures led by Blake Henson who's shooting who's averaging 17.2 points 7.4 rebounds he's shooting 50% from the field and 36% from three Jamarius Burton 14.4 points five boards four and a half assists he's shooting 54% from the field 46% from three you got Nellie Cummings who's averaging 11.2 points 2.8 rebounds 4.8 assists. He's shooting 41% from the field, 36% from three. And then Greg Elliott, 11.1 points, 4.9 boards. Um, He's shooting 46% from the field and 41% from three. And the thing about those four guys that I just mentioned, they're all juniors or older. So the biggest reason why Pittsburgh has had this turnaround, just a veteran team, whether it's going through the portal guys staying through the program, they've got guys that have been here and they have done it. And, you know, that matters. (coughs) When you look across the landscape of college basketball, you wonder why it's so competitive, why so many 
you know, good team, while there's so many good teams, there's so much experience now with that extra COVID year, with the transfer portal. You're getting guys to stay in school longer and get older but become better basketball players. And so, buddy, I think when Carolina goes into this game, they're going into a game that a game that they should win, but maybe it's not as easy as a checkmark victory as we thought it was going to be back when we got the schedule back in August or so. Well, I mean, look, you can't take this game lightly anyways because we thought even last year when Carolina wasn't playing great that this should have been a pretty easy win. Carolina lost to this team. So that should be serving as motivation. And you can't, you, you should not take this team lightly because this is a team that, look, they lost – that game that that you mentioned to West Virginia where they got smashed in their second home game of the season. They have not lost at home since that game, and you're traveling on the road there. It'll probably be a pretty solid environment. Students are, are, are starting to come back. Granted, it is a noon game, so that'll be interesting to see. But this is typically one of those games there where there is an environment when Pittsburgh plays regardless of how good the team is. And I'm not saying this team's great, but look, Syracuse, think whatever you want of that win. Personally, I think Syracuse is straight booty. They are terrible this year. I mean, that's one where usually we look at that game late in the schedule for Carolina and we say, man, Carolina's got to navigate that zone, whatever. That team sucks. So, yes, that that should be one that Carolina should be able to navigate easily. So I don't know how impressed you are by that one. NC State, that's a good win because NC State so far early in the season has shown some pretty good things. They're a team that's probably going to be, believe it or not, because of how they score the basketball on the NCAA tournament bubble. So for Pittsburgh to beat them, I think it's a legitimate team that they're facing. And as you said – the problem that you have in this game is just how spread out the scoring is. The fact that those four guys that are over double-digit points per game so far this year are shooting 36% or better from beyond the arc. So Carolina's got some work to do in this game. But yes, I think heading in, one, with the way that Carolina has been playing, and two, with just the overall talent edge, Carolina should be favored to win this game. And and when they leave this game, I think this should be a victory. I just don't know if it's going to be as comfortable as we probably thought when we were talking about this game, previewing the overall schedule a few months back. Yeah, and you know, for Carolina, they come into this game with a 9-4 and record. They have reappeared in the AP poll. They're ranked number 25 in the country, and they're starting a slate of, of games in ACC play where they have the potential to stack some wins and get a you know and, and get a, a record that is more representative of what we thought they would be. They've got at Pittsburgh this on Friday. Then they got Wake Forest next Wednesday, Notre Dame next Wednesday. Both of those games are at home, games mm-hmm. that Carolina should win. They do go to Virginia January 10th, then at Louisville, home to Boston College, and then they host NC State on the 21st. So Carolina, starting with this game, has a slate where, to be honest, outside of Virginia, they should be expected to – they'll be favored to win, expected to win. Mm-hmm. And if you start stringing some of these these wins together – then that overall confidence around this team 
we'll get back to where we thought it would be at the beginning of the year. Um, Carolina currently has four players averaging double-figure scoring, still led by Caleb Love's 18.3 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field, 29% from three. Armando Baycott is averaging 18.2 points, 11.1 boards. He's shooting 57% from the field. You've got R.J. Davis, 15.9 points, 5.5 boards, 3.2 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field, 31% from three. Then you've got Pete Nance, 11.8 points, 6.6 boards. He's shooting 50% from the field, 33% from three. Carolina is sixth in the country in defensive rebounds with 29.5 per game. The Tar Heels averaged 19.4, made free throws, which is third most in the country, while attempting 26.4, which is sixth most in the country. And so with that, let's transition into our keys to the game. And the first key I have in this game is rebounding because Carolina, um, you know, is, is starting to round into that type of defensive rebounding team we're accustomed to them being. Um, they've, they've won the rebounding battle against Michigan and Ohio State. They average 40.4 total rebounds per game. That's 25th in the country. Michigan, though, averages 40.5 rebounds per Pittsburgh, game. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. What did I say? You said Michigan. Pittsburgh <laughs> averages You 40, thought we were a game back. Yeah. 40.5 right. rebounds, which is 21st in the country. This game is on the road. You got to, you know, you, you want to dictate tempo, pace, and stuff like that, the best way to do that is for Carolina to rebound the ball. And that's what they did so well against Michigan. Armando Baycott had five rebounding games. That was a North Carolina rebounding game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just an Armando Baycott rebounding game. I need that to continue to carry over into ACC play on the road in a place that, if there's an environment, can be a tough place to go win. Well, that's the thing is that when you look at how Pittsburgh's doing it, it's balance. It's a lot of what we've seen from some of the other teams that Carolina has faced here recently that we've said coming in, in order to take away what they do on the glass, you need everybody to step up and rebound, not just Armando Baycott. Now, that serves it, it, it serves Armando well that they don't have somebody that is as dominant as he is on the inside because that can allow him to go to work if he's having a special night. But you're right. Carolina, and I think that's one of the things that they have done the best since that game against Virginia Tech is that seemed to not only wake up Armando Baycott the week that they had off after that and seeing the performance that his teammates had, but it's also woken up everybody else. As you mentioned, five rebounds the other night from Armando against Michigan. You would have told me that. I would have told you, yeah, there ain't no way in hell they won that game. But you've seen everybody else step up around them. Look, you got to give some credit. I think the last two games, you've seen some some signs from Pete Nance that he is taking a step forward on the glass. And so in this game, I mean, look, you've got You've got eight guys that are averaging 2.8 rebounds or more. And the one guy that averages 2.8 rebounds is Nellie Cummings, who, as we told you earlier, guy that scores in double figures, guy that shoots the ball pretty well and plays 32 minutes a game. But 
they have three bench guys that average three or more rebounds. So they have guys that come off the bench and pretty much what they are there to do is rebound the basketball. Carolina's got to be ready for that. So this is going to be a tough test. But I think right now, if you if this was the game that Carolina played to open conference play, I would have been extremely concerned with where Carolina was at at that point rebounding-wise. With the performances that they have put up recently, primarily against Ohio State, I feel pretty confident that Carolina can more than hold their own on the glass in this game with a team that rebounds the ball as well as Pittsburgh does. The second key I have in this game for Carolina is their turnovers. They only average 11.7 turnovers per game, which is 302nd in the country. But this is a road game. The first time Carolina's going to be in a true road environment since that loss to Virginia Tech where turnovers effectively took them out of the game in the first half. You know, what? and that really caused Chuber Davis to, you know, focus on what he calls pick six turnovers where Carolina turns the ball over in live action and they give up a layup, dunk, whatever it is, going the other way. And the biggest reason why this is important is because it's a road game, and that's that's going to feed into Pittsburgh's energy. That's going to feed into the crowd if there is one in the Peterson Event Center on Friday afternoon. And this is really more just to, I want to see as Carolina grown up in that aspect. Are they mature enough to go into hostile environments and not turn the ball over? If they are, I think they can. They'll, they'll be a team that will be competing for an ACC regular season championship. If not, that could be what could be their undoing. And this is something that they've gotten a lot better at, mainly because they've put R.J. Davis on the ball, and Caleb Love is playing as a as a traditional two guard. <coughs> and, and and so they're seeing good results come from that, and. You know, I think this is just something where, again, if Carolina controls the rebounding margin and then they don't commit turnovers, you're going to have a really hard time showing a pathway to me that Pittsburgh beats them because Carolina is yep. more gifted than they are. They've maybe they, maybe they don't go as deep, but they got more depth than they've got, and, and so I think it's just really more of those things about just limiting the chances to get beaten. If you don't turn the ball over and you don't give this this team 14, 16 points in transition. I don't know if Pitt's good enough to score 75, 80 points against you, against your set defense. Well, see, this is one of the things that I've been most impressed with is we've seen better ball movement from Carolina. We've seen them passing the ball more often, and you haven't seen the turnover numbers go up. To be honest with you, they've honestly turned the ball over less since they've started passing more. They were turning the ball over a lot just playing the way that they were playing early in the season, playing a lot of one-on-one basketball, which was really the most frustrating part about everything. And it led to those pick-six turnovers because everybody was standing around and was stagnant. Now you're not seeing that. And look, this is definitely an important part of this game, no doubt, but Pitt's a team that doesn't force a lot of turnovers either. So if you're going to turn the ball over a lot, it's based on your own mistakes. And that's the thing that Carolina has to avoid in this game. You're right, because one of the biggest things, that there are two things that allow teams with less talent to stay in games, and that's turnovers and three-point shooting. I think for Carolina, if you take care of the basketball the way you have here recently— 
you probably feel confident that you've got enough talent to beat this team. You've got, you know, the, the way your offense is playing right now, you're in enough of a rhythm that you should be able to outscore this team. And I think even defensively, I know this team's scoring the ball well, but you probably feel pretty good about where you're at defensively as well. So I think, yeah, holding on to the ball is going to be key, and that's something that you hope this layoff didn't hurt because they've they've done that, especially in these last two games against really good non-conference opponents. The last key I have for Carolina to win the game is their three-point defense. Uh, Pittsburgh averages 9.1 made threes per game. That's 55th best in the country. They also average 25.8 attempts. That's 52nd in the country. So they're going to shoot them, kind of like Michigan did, where Michigan made about eight per game and shot about 24 and a half, 25 threes. Michigan was nine for, I think, 27 in the game last Wednesday at the Spectrum Center. So Carolina is going to give up made three-pointers. They're going to give up. You know, I would say six, seven, maybe even eight. You want to limit, though, them from getting into the double digits Mm -hmm. because they're capable of doing that. They've got, as you mentioned, all four of their guys that average 20, that are averaging double figures, shoot 36% or better from behind the three point line. So they've got capable scores from the perimeter. It's got to be important for Carolina to, to, to not allow all four of those guys to get to cooking. And, and hold them to seven and eight makes on 27, 28 attempts as opposed to 11, 12 makes on 25, 26 attempts. Well, the good news is is that Jamarius Burton, I mean, he only averages about two per game, but the other three guys that are scoring in double figures, they all shoot an average of five and a half per game from beyond the arc. So... Yeah, that's the bulk of where their scoring comes from. They are going to be looking. I mean, just look at the two-point makes and attempts so far this year. Two-point makes, 224, that's 220th in the country. Two-point attempts, 422, that's 266. So it's very clear that the focus of this team is to get the ball onto the perimeter and knock down those jump shots. And and look, so far this season, it's working. It's what has propelled them to nine wins this year. So yeah, if you're Carolina, try to force the issue. Try to get them to put the ball inside and find a matchup against Armando Baycott or Pete Nance. The thing that you cannot allow to happen in this game is that you're so focused on taking away the three-point line that you allow them to drive the ball to the lane with ease. That's the thing that you have to be you, you have to be conscious of is don't be so focused on trying to take away what they're doing outside that you're in bad position and get blown by for easy baskets. I think Carolina, look, they faced teams like this before so far this year. I mean, we remember how good James Madison was shooting coming into that game. Carolina shut them down. But there have also been times where teams have come in shooting well and they have done a good job from beyond the arc, and it's been what's hurt Carolina, like Virginia Tech. So we'll have to see if it does Carolina have that fo- the the same focus that they've had in some of these games earlier this year. The Citadel, another good example, trying to take away that outside shooting, or is this another one of those games where Carolina could be in a bit of a track meet? To me, this one's probably the biggest key in this game. If Pittsburgh can knock down. 
nine, ten threes, they're probably going to be hanging around in this game. But if Carolina is able to come come out and shut this group down and prevent them from getting really to that double-digit mark from beyond the arc, I think this could be, uh, I'm not going to say an easy win for Carolina, but I think it could be pretty comfortable. Carolina enters with a 53.8% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index. Jeez. This game is Friday at noon in a gym that holds 12,508 people. So if there are people in there, it can be and will be loud. They the ref- zoo, as they call it. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. What, that's what they refer to their student section as. I'll let you go first. Do you think Carolina improves to ten and four and keeps that and that keeps that win streak alive? I really do. I think the way that you saw this team playing at the end of non-conference play, I, I, I thought you, you saw a team that finally clicked, that looked like everything was coming together. I'm real encouraged by what I saw, especially on the offensive end of the ball. You wonder if this time off hurts them a little bit in terms of their rhythm that they got in from the perimeter, but I think this could be one of those games where Armando Baycott just dominates. I think Carolina just too much talent in this game. It could be a little bit of a nail-biter, but I do think that Carolina comes away with the victory to advance to 10-4 and on the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Carolina wins, and not that a loss I think would totally negate the four-game winning streak. I think you just kind of be back to wondering where you are with this team. Do you trust this team to to, to be the type of team that can win an ACC regular season title, can win a national championship? But I don't think we got to worry about that. I think they'll win. It might be difficult, than most people will probably want it to be. But Pittsburgh's a tough place to play when they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Capel will have his guys fired up and be ready to play. But I do think Carolina will make the plays that they need to make to win the game. Well, no matter what happens, win, lose, Carolina, uh, we'll have you covered on HeelToughBlog.com um, as, as, as we've been keeping you covered through all of the basketball season. There'll be a preview of the game up. There'll also be a recap posted the day of as well as for the football side of things the news stays busy on that end with carolina signing their national signing day class more transfers coming into the program um, and then you got the bowl game with oregon we'll have you covered with all that great coverage and more that's heeltoughblog.com and as for the podcast guys you know where to find us every major podcasting platform simply search the four corners podcast and we will pop up we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast but more importantly we want you to hit that subscribe button that way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season with that guys this is gonna wrap up this edition of the show want to thank anthony for hosting with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels Get any sweeter than that!